They find their way back to this place Caught in a most, most of us Hey everyone, welcome back to Reclaiming the Bible Belt podcast. My name is Joseph Dockery and I'm joined today by Eli Sorrow. Hey Eli, thanks so much for being with us today. Dude, I'm so excited for this. We're glad that you're here. It's been a long time since we put out any content and we're excited to get going. Um, Some things have changed along the way. One of them being that Eli is going to be my right hand man moving forward. Very thankful for the part he's played in this in staying on me, keeping a passion going to get this project back on the road. So thankful for him and the part he's going to play moving forward. Also, another thing that's changed, if you've been a part of our journey any part along the way, you'll notice today that our mission statement has changed a little bit, not in any profound way, but just in being specific towards the goals and ideas that we're wanting to attain. So here at Reclaiming the Bible Belt, we believe that one of the greatest obstacles to the growth of the kingdom of God is not the people who don't know the Messiah, it's people who think that they do. So join us in reclaiming the mission and character of Jesus within the cultures that have distorted him. And in light of that, today we're going to be defining the terms of our mission, specifically in what we mean when we say things like the kingdom of God, as well as unpacking the concept of a distorted Jesus and explore the biblical precedent surrounding the dangers of cultural Christianity. We're excited to get started with that today. Eli is going to be helping facilitate the conversation as we go, and we hope that you will join in with us on this journey. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? We're, we're back, finally. Finally it's back. It's been a hot minute. Yes. Lots of, uh, lots of uh, ribs being nudged to finally get this going again. Yeah, about time. So glad, glad to get it back going. Yeah, so. So I think that uh, even though this isn't a launch, it is a re- re- relaunch, re- re- relaunch of some sorts. Fourth, maybe fifth launch. Yeah. Who knows at this point? I think at this point we're just trying to keep it off the ground. We're hovering. Yeah. We're there. So let's do it. Let's yeah. let's take off. We're off the tarmac. Let's help, help uh, us take off, Eli. Yeah. So um, first, we want to talk about today, we want to talk about like our mission. Uh, so our mission is that we believe that the, one of the greatest obstacles to the growth of the kingdom of God is not the people who don't know the Messiah. It's the people who think that they do. Join us in reclaiming the mission and character of Jesus within the cultures that have distorted him. Um, and that's a lot of lingo packed into a short but thoughtful mission. Um, and it is something that we you know, share our hearts in, Joseph and I do. And today we really want to just kind of unpack and really define these terms. But first, Joe, tell me why Reclaiming the Bible Belt? What about you makes this a topic that sits on your heart? Yeah. And, and for those of you who have been along the ride with us for when we first started it, you'll notice that that is a slightly different um motto or vision statement than we started with. And what that just kind of points to is that this is a process. This is something that God is continuing to, to provide uh, clarity and wisdom and insight for. I guess it started for me. Um, you know, I much like probably a lot of people who listen here grew up, grew up inside the Bible belt, grew up to a, grew up in a church that would be classified as a, you know, a Bible belt, Christianity type church, not, not to the fullest extent of 
you know, of the shade that we're going to potentially toss here and there. But, you know, a, you know, a Southern tradition style church. And so having grown up in that and seeing the goods of it, and then um, the Lord leading me into ministry, seeing the baths of it and seeing the different ways it can be done. It's just been a slow process for me over the years um, of through the different ministries I've taken part in of having just this underlying passion and desire to not flee these churches and go find the churches, you know, in the more, more urban areas um, and just kind of leave behind the Bible Belt Christianity. Uh, but rather to try to redeem it a little bit. And again, we're going to get into that today. And I don't say that from a heart that says everything about Bible Belt cultural Christianity is evil. But um, I've seen, because I've seen some amazing things inside the churches that kind of are a product of Bible Belt Christianity. But my heart is to see those churches and see this kind of Bible Belt culture be leveraged and re yeah just I mean yeah. that word reclaimed and so that's been a long time going for me through worship ministry and then into pastoral type ministry and um and yeah it just kind of came to a head and that's where the idea of reclaiming the Bible Belt originally came from was looking at this place that we call the Bible Belt but ironically is a place that doesn't really see and know Jesus yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. What about you, though? Um, why Why did you nudge my ribs a billion times to make this continue to happen? Well, one, because I just like hanging out with you and talking with you. But two is um, pretty much the same thing as like I was, you know, born and raised in a Southern Baptist Bible Belt church where that's just what you do is you go to church. That's just where life happens is at the church. And um, it really kind of came to a head for me when I was you know, in my later years of high school where I was actually stuck in this cultural Christianity, acting one way during the week and then going to church on Sunday, acting like everything was kosher. Um, and just in my time of ministry as well with mostly college students, seeing some people like bound in the same things really makes me like hurt for them because it was so damaging, not only to myself, but also the people around me for me to be living in that way. Um, and it's, like I said, it's one of the, why, why we say it's one of the greatest obstacles to the growth of the kingdom is because you can't act one way and say you're going to act another just because you're damaging your witness. And I think that's part of my, my main heart is seeing people be freed from this idea that they, you know, can and should act a different way than they say or profess in Christ. Right. That's good. That's good. And I'm excited. And some of the things that we're even talking about right now, um, we will, we'll dive into hopefully soon to give some clarity on because the last thing we want anybody listening to think or presume is that we're here to cast shade or hate on or, um, you know, point fingers and say, no. oh, you could have done this better. Exactly um, the opposite. I mean, cause like, like I said, like I was, I was in that moment and I was in that, like that bondage of it. And I want to see other people come out of that. Like I did. Um, and being, you know, seeing in the, the full light of living in, in Christ and living in the, the freedom that Jesus gives us. Um, is where is where the heart for this mission comes from and not just a, a term of blame but one of we want to help people who are in the same situation yeah no i agree that's 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 the heart here and and, and i think that's correct me if i'm wrong that's kind of where we're headed in um even in, in these next couple of minutes is yeah fleshing out what that looks like yeah we gotta talk about like what that looks like so the so first things first is this idea of growth in the kingdom of god 
what when if you can give a brief synopsis of what that means when we say that yeah so again so the current our current working vision statement which is different again than kind of the first segment of episodes that uh, you might have listened to on here um and that is that we believe that one of the greatest obstacles to the growth of the kingdom of god is not the people who don't know the messiah it's the people who think that they do know him and yeah, so that first phrase, kingdom of God, um, something that we will talk about a lot on here if you're um, along for the ride with us. And you probably hear it if you're a church-going person. You, you hear that phrase a lot. And I mean, this this is an, in and of itself is a, you know, this is a class-level topic that you, we could talk hours about. But I think the thing that I would say just to introduce somebody to what we mean by kingdom of God is, is to say that kingdom of God is not just a phrase that is synonymous with things like spiritual things. It's not synonymous with just saying like kingdom of God, ain't that where the angels are? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and people, yeah, that's, that's a good point. People hear kingdom of God and they look upward. They think, you know, the, the kingdom of God being heaven. Yeah. And uh, they think of the kingdom of God, maybe just being this abstract, all inclusive phrase that talks just about, God's work, which isn't completely wrong. Um, but what we, the way that we will talk about it here, um, when we're discussing it is a very, very specific biblical theme that we believe is unfolding in scripture that is directly tied to the gospel Mm -hmm. that in every, um, uh, one of the synoptic gospel accounts, when, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of them, show the moment where Jesus begins his gospel ministry. All three of them quote Jesus saying the word gospel and in the same phrase referencing the kingdom. Mark says the good news of the kingdom of God is what Jesus was preaching. And yeah, that's, I think that's, that's just a good entry point to help people to see that the kingdom of God coming to earth is a way of talking about what Jesus's full mission was and is and is currently doing in a way that is a little bit more approachable and tangible and, and most importantly, in line with what the way the Bible's talking. And once we begin to think of it that way, I think it's important to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Once we begin to, that's going to help us in the reclaiming aspect. And uh, yeah. yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit, I think. Yeah, we have a lot more to talk about on that topic. Um, but let's talk, let's talk more about this idea of, you know, this distorted image of Christ and the people who, who think that they know who Jesus is, but actually don't know. Yeah. And, and that, that phrase can be a little presumptuous and I, and I hope it doesn't come across in any way prideful or snide, like it's not a holier than thou. It's not a, we have the answer and you don't. Um, that, that is not how it's supposed to come across, but there is just in the, in just the line of logic, there is a point where if you have enough incorrect perceptions of a thing, then it's no longer that thing. Mm -hmm. And so where our mission statement would say, we believe that one of the greatest obstacles to the growth of the kingdom of God is not the people who don't know the Messiah or the people who openly say, I don't follow this idea of Jesus that's not the biggest obstacle. The bigger obstacle is the people who think that they do. That's the bigger obstacle. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah. Um, and then that final phrase in our um, statement being, join us in reclaiming the mission and character of Jesus within the cultures that have distorted him. And uh, man, this this could be a this could be a big uh, thing to talk about we here talk for a minute. For hours we can on see. This. Yeah, Give we'll, us a short short synopsis. It, we'll see. We'll see what happens <laughs> uh, with that. Yeah, I I really think that uh, kind of what I just said a second ago. It comes down to nobody, mostly nobody, in their right mind in any humble stance within Christendom will say I am one hundred percent confident that I have everything figured out about interpretation of Jesus and the Bible and whatever. I recognize that. I'm not pretending to think that we, we have that, but there is this reality that the more something is distorted, the less that it represents the true thing. And as a result, the people who follow that and are, you know, said to be people who are trying to image that, um, we'll be doing it more and more incorrectly. And uh, I think that's just a, that's a big deal. And I think that, uh, that comes, that's, that's a readily seen issue within cultural Christianity. And that's a phrase that, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of is going to be what we talk about a lot in here. Um, y- yeah. So before I go any yeah. further with that, like, um, I just want to hear you speak, Eli. What does the phrase cultural Christianity bring okay. to the table for you? A lot of things. Um, cultural Christianity is like what I talked about in, in like my background of, you know, where where church is the social gathering. Church is just another thing that you do because that's what your mom and them did mm-hmm. or that's what your grandma and them did. It's not you're going and you're going to be changed. You're going to be something different. You're going to encounter the Messiah in a new way. You're going just because that's just what you do. And this whole idea of, of that is perfectly cultural Christianity, like where Christianity is the culture that you grew up in. And it's not the radical life change that comes through Christ. Right. Um, and it really just like, you know, a lot of times like seeing it on, on mission and just seeing people like, a lot of people have called it hanging on the coattails of the faith of like your parents mm-hmm. of like, uh, Oh well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Cause well, I mean, I'm either a good person or my grandma's going to heaven and she, she was a saint. She prayed for me each and every night. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's never that, that personal acceptance or that personal, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like just making your faith your own. It's always, mm-hmm. it's the culture that makes my faith. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Is yep. that- yeah, no, absolutely. Now to some people, the idea of cultural Christianity, the fact that church is a part of the way of life around here, is it doesn't necessarily always come to the ears as a bad thing. So how would you, you just from your standpoint, mm-hmm. how would you kind of like approach that carefully and, and sensitively recognizing, you know, that the goods and bads of that define, define the difference here, because hopefully, you know, we have listeners who are, listening because they recognize kind of the issue that we're getting at some maybe a little less aware of it and mm-hmm. we don't want to paint the picture that we're you know angry at the fact that people are more inclined to know about god here than yeah. other places so talk about the difference um really just the difference lies i believe in just that social aspect of of where 
it's it's good to go to church. However, these people are going to church and they're they're going there and turning it basically into a Bible book club mm-hmm. where they go, they read a couple of verses, sing a couple of songs, go home, and there is literally no difference than when they got there. Um, just this whole idea of of going to be a social hour mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily going, like I said, that, that life change that comes through knowing the Messiah personally and making your faith your own and really exploring what it says in Scripture. Right. Um, and yeah, just the idea of culture being, cult, Christianity being the culture is not inherently bad. It's the fact of when that is the only thing that Christianity is boiled down to is just that's just what we do and there's no other reason for Christianity besides that's just all I've been taught. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You do it because your family does yeah, it. Yeah, you do it because your mom and them did it. You do it because your grandma and them did it. Right, absolutely. So that kind of being the basis of what we're talking about with cultural Christianity mm-hmm. um, and this idea of the Bible Belt, when we're talking about then a place where a culture that has distorted the view of Jesus, AKA people who think that they are following him, um, that those two things are tied together. And, um, I think it's because when, when a culture becomes the identity of your belief system, all of a sudden there are a, I mean, a culture is made up of the people within it. Mm -hmm. And therefore the definition of what that culture is now is affected and defined yeah. by lots and lots of different people. And if the culture that is being defined by lots and lots of different people then defines what you believe, all of a sudden your belief is not rooted in the thing mm-hmm. itself anymore. Like let's, let's talk about the, we've talked about this before um, off the air, but the, the greatest example of cultural, spirituality or cultural belief in in scripture itself mm-hmm. so you want to you want to talk to a little bit about that and how that kind of birthed this whole idea yeah that um the idea that we're talking about cultural christianity I, I really don't think is completely unprecedented i think that this is something that we have a pretty common um thing to compare it to in scripture and i think when we begin to see that as the reality um, and then compare ourselves to it, it, it makes it a little bit more real. Because one thing that probably most people who grew up somewhat in the church have at least heard talk about before is the reality that when Jesus showed up on the scene, the Jews to which he was born into and to which this idea of a Messiah belongs to, they, for the most part, a lot of them rejected him and didn't think that he was who he said he was. And I mean, that, that's, that's pretty common, um, knowledge, both inside and outside of the church. But I think that right there that like, that's, that's a crucial thing to look at, especially asking the why behind it. And, um, the, the place where this is talked about the most, um, is in the, the book of Romans, Paul's, Paul's letter to the Romans and chapters nine, 10 and 11, unfortunately get written off simply as the, um, theology textbook for where to go to, to talk about predestination and, you know, all of those fun things that go with that. And those are fun things to talk about, um, and bring good conversation. But unfortunately it, it, that part of the letter just gets written off to be only about that. And Mm -hmm. that's just simply not how the, the Paul's train of thought is being used in nine, 10 and 11. 
that is a digression where Paul, beginning in chapter 9, starts by saying how just completely wrecked his world is Mm -hmm. because of the reality that his people, the people who God had communicated with and had shown special faithful covenant loyalty to for such a long time in order to bring about the ultimate uh, fix, rescue, salvation mission in Jesus, he was just completely wrecked that those people were the ones that were missing him. Yeah. And when we think about that, the reality that's at hand is if we really just think about what's happening in that moment, it is a people whose lives and culture was built around the reading of scripture, of prayer, of, of faithful belonging and claiming belonging to the one true God as revealed in the scripture. That was their culture. I mean, You, you, if you, to be born a Jew was to be born into a family that did all of those things is what you were around. And the irony says the Christian is, and says Paul, and just the completely, the complete conundrum is that they were a people who their entire being and culture was written around waiting for this coming Messiah. And when he got there, they missed him. And that wasn't just, that That wasn't from stupidity. No, because they knew. They knew their Bibles through and through. Memorized. Yeah. I mean, to be born a Jew, plenty of early Jewish boys were, were learning to memorize Torah. I mean, this is, this is a culture that is just different than our own in many, many ways. But yeah, I mean, they were learned people. And so their rejection didn't come from stupidity. It came from missing him. And it was a missing that came because their definition of what they were looking for had become distorted. Yeah, which was what you were talking about earlier, where the the culture itself defines the definition, and Mm -hmm. then that in turn defines the thing, which is no longer the thing. Yes, and that, that, exactly, that's a study that we could spend hours upon end saying how did that happen. But most people kind of identify it in, in a couple of different ways. And for us, for our sake, I would identify the miss in two main ideas. Mm-hmm. One, they missed the character of the Messiah. They expected a conquering, um, a conquering Messiah that was, that was coming and angry at injustice and things that were against God's kingdom, people, Israel, and Basically, that wasn't going to put up with the stuff that had, had yeah. been happening. He's going to overthrow Rome, ride mm-hmm. in on a white horse, take over Jerusalem. Exactly. And so just the, the natural character of Jesus, this lowly, kind person, did not fit that bill. But then secondly, what you're getting into there, I think that what was missed was what the Messiah came to do. Yeah. And so first, missing the character, how Jesus portrayed himself, who he was as a person, and then secondly, what he came to do. And in the eyes of the Israelites, that was partially, rightly so, to come and establish God's kingdom. I mean, that was a promise that had long been foretold that a descendant of King David would come and sit eternally on God's throne to, to establish it, to raise up the, at the time, which was Israel, the kingdom of God forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. And in the minds of the Israelites, the culture over many, many hundreds of years, who was a culture that had been under exile and under oppression time and time and time again, 
all of a sudden that definition through their culture became this picture of a coming Messiah that was conquering and ready to rid the world of all of these, these people that were the bad guys to Israel. And so the missing of Jesus, the rejection of Israel's Messiah by Israel is rooted in a cultural um, distortion, which is, I think, very, very comparable to um, what, we're, what we're facing today in places where the Bible and Christianity has, has taken root and had great success in the past, but has become comfortable. One of the main passages that kind of puts this on display, and I think this shows Paul's v- severe caution to this issue, is in chapter 11 of that 9, 10, and 11 passage in Romans where he, he, he's been talking about the Jewish people for the majority of this time, and then he stops and he starts to talk about, he talks to the Gentile Christians in the church of Rome, the people who were not Jews who had come to follow Jesus. And he gets really stern with them for a second. And this passage has been tossed around um, through lots of different conversations and undoubtedly, there is a conversation and, and a debate to be had on what you believe about the kingdom of Israel today and whether or not they are still a special covenant people in regards to the promises of God. That's, that, that's a debate that we can have another time. But the point of this passage can't be missed. And so I just want to re- read it for us really quick. Paul says this. Now, if some of the branches, talking about the Jews, were broken off, and you, talking to the Jewish, or to the Gentile Christians, though a wild olive branch were grafted in among them and have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree, don't boast that you are better than those branches. But if you do boast, you do not sustain the root because the root sustains you. So right here, Paul's making this analogy, painting the picture of the Jews and the Gentiles and saying that the Gentiles are these grafted in branches to the olive tree. And, and like I said, this has become a long, deep discussion about what this analogy, how it plays out to the other places that Paul talks about the grafting in and then how the Gentiles play into it. And all of that's a f- fine and wonderful conversation that we can have another time. But I don't want us to miss what Paul gets to in the end. Verse 19, he says, then you, then you might say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. And Paul says, true enough, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by your faith. So don't become arrogant, but beware. Because if God did not spare the natural branches, the Jews who have missed and rejected their Messiah, he will not spare you either. Therefore, consider God's kindness and severity, severity towards those who have fallen, but kindness towards you if you remain in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And what I would highlight there for us in line with kind of our cry and plea and the mission behind this podcast and just this thing that we're trying to put put some movement to is that Paul, I think, is not angry and talking down towards the Gentiles here. He's not saying you're less special, so stay in line. You know, you're you're here, but you're kind of second rate. Um, Sure, we can talk about whether or not the Israelites inherit special promises later on that Gentile Christians don't. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is that Paul is not 
showing severe language towards these Gentiles because they're of lesser rate. Mm -hmm. I think that this is a voice of Paul who has just been talking about from the anguish of his heart, the reality that the Israelites, the people who grew up on the oracles and the scripture and knowing that the Messiah was coming, missed them. And he's saying, don't think that you, even though you've been grafted in, are immune to the same thing happening yeah. again. It's a it's a stark warning and not necessarily him just him trying to get them back in line, but he's saying like, hey, if this can happen to the Israelites, this can for sure happen to you. To anybody. And and it starts and is rooted in this prideful thought process of we've made it, we know, we we've arrived, we have the answer. Yeah. And um yeah, that, that culture just led to a people who missed the Messiah. Yeah. And so to tie that then into what we're talking about today, where the Israelites have potentially missed the Messiah, very in generalized statements being a missed definition on Jesus's character and what he came to do. I think the same thing has happened today mm-hmm. um, in places where cultural Christianity has kind of created a less than ideal, less than effective church. It's because even though Jesus, quote unquote, is heralded, the Messiah is heralded, just mm-hmm. like the Israelites heralded the coming of the Messiah. The definition of who he is and what he came to do and is doing has been distorted. Yeah. And um, I think that's kind of the root of yeah. what we're getting at. So that you said to do it shortly. That's that was okay. a long, um, kind of drawn out answer. It was a great answer. Most, most of us. That's all for today. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode. If you have any questions or comments for us, send us some mail. You can reach us at rtbbpod at gmail.com. We may even feature your comment or some of your questions on one of our episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at rtbbpod. And there on Instagram, there's a link where you can find all the places where our podcast airs. On that same link, you can also use it to support us. If what we're doing here is a helpful resource for you and you want to play a part, feel free to leave us a donation. Eli and I do this on our own free time and we do it for nothing. But the support from you guys helps to justify the time we spend as well as provide resources for further study and higher quality content. We believe that one of the greatest obstacles to the growth of the kingdom of God is not people who don't know the Messiah. It's people who think that they do. Join us in reclaiming the mission and character of Jesus within the cultures that have distorted him. We'll see you guys next time. Theirs aren't the same.